0: Talking Birds.
1: Beep, 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 beep. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. For Leans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com.
2: And here's a special message from our friends at Ocean State Bird Club. They can't lead their free group walks right now, but they hope you're still getting your outdoor time in by watching birds. Find Ocean State Bird Club online at oceanstatebirdclub.org. Find them on Facebook and you can tell them what you're seeing as the spring migration continues. Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 780. When we did our last show live, it was Mother's Day, and we saluted all moms. Now we have kind of another women's day. We'll talk to or about four amazing women on today's show. One is our resident reviewer, Susan Edwards-Richmond, We'll join us in a moment with a double bird book review. Shortly after that, we'll meet Jennifer Fee from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's K-12 program. She'll tell us about some ideas they've come up with to keep stuck-at-home kids busy with some fun and educational stuff about birds and nature and science. And then we'll salute two women who are enduring some tough and isolated and very cold conditions for a very good cause. But right now we hear hatching. And that's our signal to join Susan Edwards Richmond in the Talking Birds book nest. Susan is the author of the Parents' Choice silver award-winning picture book, Bird Count, the story of a child who becomes a citizen scientist for a day in her town's annual Christmas bird count. Her website has lots more at SusanEdwardsRichmond.com. And she's with us this morning with another installment. A new segment in our show, which we check from time to time to see what's hatching in the Talking Birds book nest. Good morning, Susan.
3: Hey, Ray. Hi,
1: everybody. See, <laughs> I love being part of the Salute to
2: Women show. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's just kind of worked out that way, it looks like. Yeah, so uh, so much. glad that you're part of it. So, two books today, bo- both kids' books, right? Uh, Numenia in the Hurricane is one, and the other one is Hummingbird.
1: That's right. So I thought, yeah, I thought this would be a great time to swoop in to the younger set. Um, we had our own local bird on with Mass Audubon, where we were raising money this weekend, and we had lots of families and young children participating for the first time this year. So that was really exciting. Yeah. Um, so I have got two great books that have the migration theme just in time for the season. Mm-hmm. The first one, Nemania and the Hurricane, is written and illustrated by Fiona Halliday, and she, her breathtaking illustrations, they're just beautiful, mm. and her lyrical voice, the verse is just, it's, it's just a beautiful combination, um, very artfully put together, but it's also a true story. It's a true story of a Wimbrel mm. named Hope, whose mm-hmm. migration path was tracked by a tiny solar-powered transmitter. So we really know the path of this burr that she wrote about. Mm-hmm. Um, Nemenia migrated from the Arctic right into a hurricane, and she encountered all kinds of perils and precarious perches along the way. So the big question is, will she be able to reach her island wintering ground and rejoin her Wimbrel sisters? So you'll have to mm-hmm. read that to find book and find out to your children or nieces or nephews Mm. or any children in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And the second one is The Simply Hummingbird. It's written by Nicola Davies and illustrated by Jane Ray. And this is another migration story. This time it tracks a ruby-throated hummingbird in the opposite direction Mm. from a garden in Central America all the way north to New York City. Mm. And in this this, this story, a, a girl travels the same route also migrating, um, (laughs) although much faster on a plane. (laughs) But she visits her grandmother and sees the hummingbird's wintering ground in her grandmother's garden, and then she flies north back home to her home in New York City. So I I love both of these books. Um, First of all, they're just beautiful works of art. Mm -hmm. The words and the pictures um, are just a feast for the eyes and the ears, but they're also, they convey a lot of true information, and they also have an inspiring message. Um, both of them show how birds that can link people together in different parts of the world and they have the potential to inspire cooperation and celebration of the beauty that we that we share, no matter where we live and mm-hmm. birds remind us of this, and um, it just felt like these are great messages anytime, but particularly resonate in these times when we 're separated from many of our loved ones and mm-hmm. these migration stories kind of restore our hope in perpetual return. <laughs> Nice. We will come
2: back. <laughs> Pneumania in the Hurricane and Hummingbird. That's what's hatching this morning in the Talkin' Birds book nest with Susan Edwards Richmond. Find out more about her at Susan Edwards com. Thanks, Susan. We'll hatch another book yep. soon.
1: Thanks so much, Ray. Take care. Bye bye, everyone.
2: Meanwhile, we have some nesting to report from the Talkin' Birds Garden. Right behind the building that houses our studio here, we have house wrens. Uh, carrying nesting material to a box out there. And then way up high in the tower common ravens are nesting. But we also just noticed this morning a a pair of um, tree swallows appear to be challenging the house wrens for that box out there. So uh, we'll uh, report back on that later. Extra,
3: extra, read all about
2: it. Some of the stories and videos right now on our Talking Birds websites and Facebook page. Would you like to add a bird-themed image to your Zoom calls? National Audubon has some beautiful birdie backgrounds you can use. We'll connect you. Thanks to the folks at eBird, lists from departed birders are finding new life and providing invaluable insights for bird researchers. We'll link you to that story. And if you'd like to watch some West Texas hummingbirds up close, pay us a visit for a link to the Cornell Lab's live webcam at Fort Davis, Texas. Find all of that and more on our TalkinBirds.com website and our Facebook page. Right now, we're talking a lot about kids today, so check out our new Kids in Nature page for some terrific ideas about getting kids interested in nature and birds. It's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along in just a little bit. There's our bird About 7 to 9 inches long, a 15-inch wingspan, a white stripe running along his side, sort of blurry black and white barring on his back, red on the crown and forehead, a black and white striped face, and a yellowish wash across the breast and belly and sides. The male has a red throat, the female's throat is white little preview there we have beautiful prizes including the droll yankees new generation 13 inch metal finch sock that carries a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage plus the app that makes learning bird sounds a game that would be the Larkwire app and a 12 ounce bag of delicious shade grown bird friendly birds and beans coffee all coming along here on our mystery bird contest in just a little bit Meanwhile, we want to salute two amazing women, Suniva Sorby from Canada and Hilda Fallenström from Norway. They're co-founders of the Hearts in the Ice Polar Education Campaign, which sailed in August to the Svalbard Archipelago located between Norway and the North Pole to collect data and raise awareness about climate change. They were due to return this month, but plans for the vessel meant to pick them up were cancelled Due to coronavirus related global travel restrictions, the women say they have sufficient supplies for a long term stay while they continue their work and make the best of their situation by, for example, dressing up at Christmas in heels and black dresses and going outside with their rifles in tow. They're the first women in history to overwinter in the Arctic without a male team member. And more significantly, as they say, their effort marks women's leadership in the fight against climate change and so our talking birds conservation salute of the week goes to intrepid researchers suniva sorby and hilda fallum strom well we also want to salute two new talking birds ambassadors listeners who've uh, joined our ambassadors family helping us spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation thank you to nunya nunya from cincinnati ohio the queen city right there on the Ohio River. Thank you, Nunya. And thank you, Angela Leonard from McVeytown, Pennsylvania. She says, McVeytown is located along the Juniata River, but I live on the outskirts of town in the country. It's one of those towns that if you blink, you miss it. I've been a nature girl since I can remember, she says, and I keep a life list. Thank you, Angela and Nunya Talking Birds listeners, we invite you to become part of our ambassador's family. Help us spread the good word about birds and conservation. Go to TalkingBirds.com for details. Still to come on our show today, we'll get some great ideas on a timely topic, how to keep the kids busy in a fun way, when we talk with the Cornell Lab's K-12 program manager, Jennifer Fee. Plus, we'll experience a Let's Ask Mike segment with Mike O'Connor from the Bird Watcher's General Store on Cape Cod. And up next, we revisit a beautiful springtime arrival from its tropical wintering grounds as today's featured feathered friend presented by Bird Watching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Bird Watching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. The red, the red t shirt Or, come to the woods or you won't see me. Those are a couple of the mnemonics, or ways to remember the song of today's featured feathered friend, the hooded warbler. If you do come to the woods to see the hooded warbler, look in areas of dense understory, often near water, for a male with an unmistakable black hood, extending all the way down around the neck and up under the bill, surrounding a bright yellow face. The females have a subdued olive-colored hood. And look for the white outer tail feathers which are exposed when the bird engages in its habit of fanning its tail while foraging. Warblers manage to coexist partly because they partition the areas in which they feed, some high up in a tree, others at mid-level, and still others way down low. Our featured feathered friend does this even within its own species with the male usually foraging for insects near the treetops and the females near the ground. And let's see if those mnemonics, the red, the red t-shirt, or come to the woods or you won't see me, really help in identifying the song of this beautiful little bird. Did they help? It's today's talking Birds featured feathered friend, Satophica citrina, the hooded warbler. Welcome again to our show, number 780. Well, Jennifer Fee is the manager of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's K-12 programs, and she joins us now to tell us about some new initiatives to help suddenly-at-home kids learn about nature and science and birds good morning Jen
3: hi Ray. thank you so much for having me on
2: great to have you on again I think we were together uh, up at uh, the big ll bean and Maine Audubon birding festival some that's
3: exactly right couple. boy I wish I could go up there again uh, this month but yeah I suppose not
2: not <laughs> happening this time but uh, next year maybe so you have a new suite you have a new suite of lessons called science and nature for cooped up kids. Yes, tell us, tell we sure us, do. Tell us about that, Jen.
3: Absolutely. Well, I myself am a mother to a nine year old child mm-hmm. and when her school and my friends uh children's school started to move toward remote learning, I think there was a collective panic among parents mm-hmm. how we're gonna keep our kids engaged and uh continue helping them learn, let especially learn science during this period of remote learning. So we quickly uh, rolled out, a, started rolling out a series of lessons to help those cooped up kids basically work independently, hopefully get outside, and learn science through the wonderful world of birds.
2: Hmm. I think you said this was targeted originally to K-8 through eight parents, but the teachers are also using the lessons. How, how does that work?
3: That's exactly right. Um, when we first launched, we really were trying to help parents because it took a few weeks, at least around here, for teachers to start rolling out um, their own lessons. So parents were using these fairly independently and their students were using it independently. But now parents um, have continued to use them while teachers, now that they've got uh, really like their remote classroom set up, have started pushing them out um, to their students um more directly so mm-hmm. that's been exciting to see yeah. and our main goal with the lessons really was to hopefully provide students with some independent activities that they could do so that an adult didn't have to be sitting right next to them sort of coaching them or or leading them through it but that they mm-hmm. could go through these interactive slideshows and discover some really cool things about birds and get excited about birds and hopefully be inspired to go outside and actually look at birds themselves. Mm
2: -hmm. I know you hear from parents who are concerned about the amount of screen time kids are engaging in. And uh, you've created a Facebook group to address the issue, is that right?
3: We sure have. Um, Anyone could search up Science and Nature idea ideas for cooped up kids and they can find that facebook group and we regularly post things from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, but of course invite other people who have discovered awesome resources to get kids outside to share them on that page too so Mm -hmm. lots of great ideas um, for engaging kids and scavenger hunts and bird bingos and uh, art activities outdoors and creating sound maps, just going outside and doing a sit spot and listening to the world around you. So, uh, lots of great ideas there as well.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. You point out that... Getting kids away from the screens is important. And more than education, it can be healthy in numerous ways for kids and adults as well, right?
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, Being outside in nature and even looking out a window onto green space uh, boosts creativity and reduces stress. And of course, getting out in the sun a sunny day here in Ithaca today can boost vitamin D and that uh, contributes to immune response and other positive things so there's all sorts of reasons right now I think especially that it's good to for us and for our children to get outside and uh, experience the healing properties of
2: nature Mm-hmm. and some wonderful programs there this is so exciting yeah. what is the easiest way uh, Jen for folks parents especially to uh, connect with these uh, programs that you put together
3: well, honestly, I think I would just search Science and Nature Activities for cooped-up kids okay. or go to the Cornell Labs um, page and navigate to the K-12 tab, and it'll be K-12 slash parents, so birds.cornell.edu slash K-12 slash parents. And when they go there, they're going to find um, the list of currently eight lesson plans, and those include slideshows that are leveled for K-2, 3-5, and 6-8 grade students. And they're also going to find um, something that my family's had fun with, is a list of quests. Mm-hmm. Some of these quests are indoors and some of them are outdoors, but uh, one of my favorite quests that my family tried was uh, the activities learn about nest that, or teach about nest that week. And mm-hmm. then we built a nest, a life-size for our family nest, pillows, blankets, (laughs) chairs, and we built a nest and sat in the nest. So that is the kind of uh, fun that you can have with these lessons. And we found surprisingly that even older kids are, especially I think during this time when they're craving interaction and fun and uh, interactivity to to pitch in and do some of these uh, kind of off-the-wall zany activities.
2: That is so cool. I love that nest idea. They're taking tree houses one step further.
3: Absolutely, for <laughs> sure. Why not? You know, birds can build <laughs> cool nests. Why can't our families?
2: Exactly. Jennifer Fee is the program manager for the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's K-12 through program. Jen, thank you so much, and keep up the good and important work.
3: Wonderful. I hope we'll inspire some people to get outside in this wonderful weather.
2: I'm sure you have, and thanks again.
3: All right. Bye-bye.
2: Coming up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute.
3: What's one of your favorite memories? (laughs) That's a tough question. Um, well, there was this one time I went camping with my parents in a forest back when I was maybe like eight or nine. And, um, I can remember one night we were laying out in our hammocks and we were just, you know, watching the trees rustling in the wind above us and... We could hear the sounds of the forest all around us. Frogs singing and owls calling and the creek running nearby. It was amazing. It felt like we were a part of it all. I don't know if I do it justice trying to describe it, but I'll definitely never forget it. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org
2: Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com And that would be the sound of our mystery bird. It's our mystery bird contest. Here's the number we urge you to call as soon as you possibly can. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is about 7 to 9 inches long with about a 15-inch wingspan. He has a white stripe running along his side with sort of blurry black and white barring on the back, a red on the crown and forehead, a black and white striped face, and a yellowish wash across the breast and belly and sides. The male has a red throat. The female's throat is white. Our bird has such a funny name that non-birders think it's just made up but it's real and it's widespread and uh, has at least a couple of wonderful musical names in Spanish so if you know Spanish this would kind of give you a leg up carpintero de paso and chupasavilla ventre amarillo those are the (laughs) names in Spanish that last one is kind of maybe a giveaway if the way that translates from Spanish but uh, we're digressing again here that's our mystery bird contest Beautiful prizes include the Droll Yankees new generation 13-inch metal finch sock that combines the attraction of a finch sock with the durability of metal and it carries a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. Plus, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. That's the Larkwire app, available for your iOS device or online access. And a 12-ounce bag of our favorite coffee. Delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee those are our prizes a little disclaimer here we love to hear from our listeners in canada but some of our prizes can be sent to u.s addresses only 781-837-4900 is the number on the mystery bird contest mike o'connor let's ask mike live is here in just one minute Talking birds, we're
1: for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about our show and about birds in conservation.
0: My name is Jim Randolph. I'm a veterinarian and avid birder from Long Beach, Mississippi. I heard about talking birds from my pals at Bird Watchers Digest and Red Start Birding. I became an ambassador because Ray highlights ways we can be better stewards of our environment. The quiz is mentally stimulating. The featured feathered friend gives me tips to help identify difficult species. And Mike O'Connor's Let's Ask Mike segment is educational and fun. Who wouldn't want to share all that?
1: Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassador's family. It's easy to do. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage and then choose the Become an Ambassador option at TalkinBirds.com. Thanks.
2: Mike O'Connor down at the Bird Watchers General Store is feeling kind of puffed up this morning. He just heard himself mentioned there on that uh, little promotional announcement from uh, one of our Talking Birds ambassadors. Let's see uh, if he'll be willing to talk with us this morning. Good morning, Mike. No, 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 I'm done with small
0: time. Once I heard my name, I'm going. Yeah. I'm going for it. Yeah, I heard that guy. That was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, Dr. Jim, we're we're happy to have him. He sounds like a smart man. He is indeed. Well, he's a veterinarian. you got to be pretty smart to be a vet, right? <laughs> I think so.
0: Push it to. Holy, that that tough
2: one. So, this so is,
0: anyways, what are we talking about today, Ray? Well, this is
2: the month of May, so we should all be taking our feeders down, right? Oh,
0: I know. Remember that when when I don't know, when I started when I was a kid, bird feeding was a winter time only have hobby. As a matter of fact, when I first went into business, I couldn't buy bird feeders from the manufacturers because they they geared up their products displays in their product selling for the fall. Mm. And and I started in the spring and said, I need some bread feeders. Oh yeah, we are going to wait through the fall because that's when people traditionally put out the feeders. Yeah. They had seed sales and it was it was winter time. Um, but as it became more popular, a lot of people did do it year-round, but there's still quite a few people who, when the weather gets warmer, they say, oh, the birds can take care of themselves. We don't need to keep our feeders out anymore. Well, mm-hmm. true, the birds can take care of themselves any time. We feed birds really for our own entertainment, which is, which is fine. But if you, I always say if you're going to feed birds any time of year, and you can do it any time you want, mm-hmm. I would do May. Because mm-hmm. May is the time where we get all the unusual birds you know, every day it's, depending where you live, of course, but it's cardinals and robins and blue jays and chickadees. But in May, a lot of unusual birds are migrating. They get, they're hungry. They'll stop off at your bird bath or they'll stop off at your feeder. I'm getting uh, emails and phone calls of people with indigo buntings and scarlet tanagers and summer tanagers and rose-breasted grosbeaks and that that's just here because this is where we live and these are unusual birds for Cape Cod depending where you live you get a lot of unusual birds either migrating or they overshoot their grounds they're southern birds and they end up d- depending where you live in your yard so i would keep your feeders going for at least a few more weeks so you can get some of these unusual birds if they're around to stop in your yard and plus there's a lot of people we can't do much right now we're all kind of hemmed in so we- It's a good time to spend more time looking at your feeders. And then if you want to go old school and say, I'll take the feeders down, they can take care of themselves. Well, that'll be June because that's when they start feeding on bugs and they really do become less interested in our feeders in June. But keep it up for a few more weeks.
2: Keep them up and make sure there's some feed in there, too. That would be important.
0: Oh, geez, I forgot that detail. I
2: forgot to mention that. How would you you know about that? But anyway. (laughs) 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 Thank you, Mike. Talk. Wait, okay, stay safe, everybody. Mike O'Connor at the bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to bird watchers, including recent news stories about birds' conservation and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. We're back to the mystery bird contest here. That's our bird. About 7 to 9 inches long, a 15-inch wingspan, white stripe running along the side, kind of a blurry black and white barring on his back, red on the crown and forehead, and uh, so on. Male has a red throat, female has a white throat that's our mystery bird a whole rack of beautiful prizes here awaiting someone who may get the correct answer here or be the winner by way of a drawing from among all the almost correct answers uh, we receive but we have dina it looks like san francisco california on the line with us dina good morning good morning ray good morning how's it out there uh, in the city by the bay
3: it's a dreary morning today,
1: but huh. it's a, you know, it's always beautiful.
2: Didn't Mark Twain said the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco?
1: It's very true. <laughs> true words.
2: But <laughs> a beautiful place uh, nonetheless. And uh, how about our mystery bird, uh, Dina, what do you say?
3: I think it's a yellow-bellied sapsucker.
2: That's what it says here on the paper. Great. Must be correct. Yellow-bellied sapsucker is right. Nice. Nice job. We'll be sending those prizes to you. And we have a a bonus question here if you'd be uh, interested. I don't think we have a prize for this, but I'll check. But would you be willing to try it nonetheless? I'll
1: give
2: it a try. All right. Here it is. This is a multiple choice. The Swainson's warbler is known to follow which of the following leaders to grab insects and other prey stirred up from the ground by the leader. Who's that leader? Is it A, the oven bird, B, the Brown Thrasher. C, the Fox Sparrow. Or D, the John Deere Rototiller. It would be one of those um, stirring up the thing there. What, what do you think uh, who's was doing? Uh, that? It's a gosh. tough one. Yeah. But I'll, maybe I'll go with the
1: Thrasher. The
2: Brown Thrasher. That is an amazingly logical answer. <laughs> Except, okay. no, we played the wrong thing there. This is what we oh, meant no. to play. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That would have been my answer, too, but it's actually the oven bird. Okay. Yeah, researchers say oven birds apparently help Swainson's warblers find food through something called the beater effect. So as the oven birds walk through the forest, they flip leaves vigorously. Well, the thrashers do that, too, and so do the fox sparrows. But it gives the Swainson's warblers following them a chance to seize insects and other prey flushed by the oven birds. So another reason to be thankful for oven birds. Yes, yeah, b- they they're the good birds. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dina. Stay on the line and uh, we'll turn you over to Jesse and he'll make arrangements there for you. Great, thank you. Thanks so much, Dina. In San Francisco, correctly identifying the uh, uh, yellow-bellied sapsucker as our mystery bird. With that, we would be out of time next week. One of our favorite guests always on the show, the amazingly talented and knowledgeable David Clapp. International Tour Group Leader will be here. Thanks to our amazing talking birds team. Senior producer Debbie Bleacher, Outreach Coordinator Freya McGregor, Special Assistant Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. The bird show.
0: I like that. Ray Brown's talking birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod birdwatchersgeneralstore.com
2: And here's a special message from our friends at Ocean State Bird Club. They can't lead their free group walks right now, but they hope you're still getting your outdoor time in by watching birds. Find Ocean State Bird Club online at oceanstatebirdclub.org Find them on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club.